Who is Coach Mike? Coach Mike, very nice guy. He's a good softball coach. He's sincere. He's the dumbest smart guy I've ever known. Upbeat, optimistic, good-natured, always looking on the bright side of things. Wow, thank God he didn't say that I had a face for radio. But then what do you expect for $5 these days? Just can't hire good help. Hey, in all seriousness aside, stay tuned for the Weed Whacker podcast where I will be discussing almost any subject and bringing in guests to hash out and get rid of all the weeds. We're going to clear the path for your success in whatever it might be you need. Your life, your business, your politics, your religion. We're going to bring it all right here to the Weed Whacker. heard the weed whacker going coach mike here coachmikenow.com is the website coach mike at coachmikenow.com is the email address that should be pretty easy to remember if not send me an email and sign up for my memory class i'll teach you how to memorize better but that's not what we're about today weed whacker is about whacking weeds it's about clearing the excuse me clearing the path for your success and i've got a great guy to help us do that today, and he's at a subject that I'm ready to argue with him about, and but I'm going to learn from him because I've had a few bad experiences in his subject, so we're going to have some fun. You probably have too, or maybe you're one of those few people that know what's going on and have had the better experience. So we're going to be talking about internet marketing. We're going to talk about SEO. We're going to clear the path for your success so you can make more money with your website. So help me welcome to the Weed Whacker, Michael Buzziski, better known as Buzz. Mike, welcome. Hey, how's it going? I'm fantastic, man. You know, like I said before, my friend Rich Kozak said, you're a, you're a great guy to talk to, and I see that's <laughs> going to happen already. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Michael. What's your background? What's got you where you are now? All right. Yeah. So oh, well, I have a sorted past of a lot of different things. Um, I started in marketing of very young in my t- uh, mid to late teens um, and kind of really kept through it, uh, even though I was doing other things like I was in the Air Force for 10 years and I was still doing marketing on the side uh, when I was doing that. And I got out in 2005 and I started a recording studio. Um, of all things, because I was a working musician for 15 years prior to that. And uh, that grew into a creative agency. And then in 2018, I shut down the creative agency to create an integrated marketing firm. So that's what got me here. So with 30 (laughs) 30 years experience of working in marketing and owning my own businesses for the last 18 years. So what a combination. You and I are very similar in that I've done a lot of things. Mostly the good thing that ties me together is all my jobs or businesses have been about customer service. Oh, there you go. But I used to get upset because I grew up in the area where people stayed on jobs for 10, 15, 20 years. As a matter of fact, I know a guy who worked for 3M for like 40 years before he retired, okay? Mm. And a, mm-hmm. a friend of mine that he passed away about five years ago, Big Jack, was my mentor. And one day he told me, he said, Mike, some people have 30 years experience doing one thing. You've got 30 years experience doing a lot of things. So quit selling yourself short. There you go. Well, I can, I have no choice but to sell myself short because I'm only five foot seven. Oh. <laughs> we haven't even got to the pole like I love that. <laughs> You're all right. I like this guy. But Air Force and musician and everything. My Air Force experience was a year of Air Force ROTC in Arizona State. There you go. Yeah, I was the only of my generation. I was the only one in my generation that jo- uh, that joined the Air Force. Uh, my sister was in ROTC for a couple of years in high school, and she never joined the service. No, but third, 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 wow. uh, third no. generation Air Corps. Yep, grandfather was in World War II. My parents, both my parents, were in the Vietnam War, and then I I uh, flew AWACS 
for uh, through Desert Fox, which is after the Iraq War, and then through uh, Enduring Freedom, which is after 9-11. Wow. Thank you for your service. Uh, I, you know, I was a potentially to be drafted for the Vietnam War. My draft number was 125. Mm-hmm. And I said, I don't mind going, but I don't want to walk through the rice paddies. I'll fly over the top. <laughs> and so I had dreams of being a pilot because if uh, the way the program was then, I don't know if it's still the same, but if you stayed in all four years between your junior and senior year, you'd get your pilot's license. Hmm. And I always thought about being Tom Cruise up there, being Maverick, you know, being that fighter pilot. I don't know if I would have made it. I passed the AFOQT, but I don't know that my ears would have let me be a fighter pilot. I would have, I used to have earaches all the time when I was younger. Mm. So I'm, yeah, I, I got no held idea. up right there, you know. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> and then you'd have to join the Navy because Top, top Gun is is a naval naval account, uh, 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 yes. aviation. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's right. The reason well, that was actually my first think was Navy. I was accepted to Purdue. Ended up staying home. I grew up in Tempe. Stayed home to ASU. ASU only had Air Force and Army. Purdue had Navy. If I would have gone to Purdue, I would have gone Navy ROTC. Gotcha. And by a matter of fact, uh, my cousin's ex-husband was a captain of the Navy. My little brother was a CB. And my other cousin was a Navy SEAL. Oh. And uh, he's actually in the movie The Rock. Ah, very cool. He's in the movie The Rock with Sean Connery. That's fun. How'd you go from the Air Force to get into internet marketing? Um, so what happened was I, I started BuzzBiz Studios as a recording studio. I had a really bad experience as a working musician with uh, recording studios. So I said, well, I'm going to build a better recording studio. And that's what I did. Unfortunately, uh, surviving off of starving musicians was a horrible business plan. So <laughs> I, uh, I pivoted to uh, media production for small businesses. And then over the years, my marketing background uh, just kept seeping into the conversations. And eventually we ended up uh, growing into a creative agency. And a creative agency is a media production house and a marketing agency put together. Right. So we had all of this stuff for the media production. And so now we were actually doing the strategy and the implementation and the fulfillment and all the other things that go along with it. So over the years, though, I mean, we started in 2005, which was kind of like the dawn of digital marketing is right there at 2002 to 2005 dot com bubble had already burst around 2001, 2002. Right. And so you had all of this, you had these new social media was kind of still new in 2005. And um, I'm an early adopter of technology. Uh, when I was a kid, when I was 18, I had my first flip phone, the Motorola flip phone with a battery that was wider <laughs> than the phone was long. Yep. Yeah. And um, yep. yeah, so, you know, my first phone bill was like $600 because it was like $1.25 a minute. Like people don't realize how cheap cell phones are nowadays. So, but I mean, you know, a pager back when there was pagers were a thing and all that stuff. And um, I mean, even now I have a, a f- one of the folds, right? The the foldables, you know, from Samsung, you know, so I've oh, yeah. always been that guy that's been on the precipice of, but <clears throat> my, my gift is bringing it down to where the small business can afford to play with it. Because a lot of times what happens in marketing is that people look at Apple's and the IBM's and the McDonald's and all of the enterprise level, Fortune 500, Fortune 100 companies, right? And they go, well, they're doing X, Y, Z. And it's like, yeah, they are because they're doing it at scale, makes it more affordable. And they're also playing in the bleeding edge of whatever trends are coming up. And they're sometimes even creating those trends. That costs a lot of money a lot of money that small businesses don't have. And so I made it a practice to learn from the bleeding edge, wait till it became cutting edge, and then adapting it down into the small to medium-sized business arena so that companies didn't have to lose a lot of money testing new trends, new ideas, new methodologies, new strategies. Okay. Yeah, I might need you along the way here, Buzz. You might need me too. I got to actually have a bachelor's degree in visual communications because after bombing out of ASU way back in the 70s, I just did all sorts of stuff for 20 or 30 years. Mm-hmm. And I, because I was a girls softball coach, I had a principal one to hire me as a student teacher. So I went back to online school to get my bachelor's degree, which mm-hmm. that still flopped. That's another story. Mm-hmm. But I said, okay, what am I going to do now at 40 years old? 
you know, I'm going to do web design or something because even if I don't get through, I didn't know how it was going to be. I hadn't been in school for so many years, but mm-hmm. that way at least I'll learn something to help my business, mm-hmm. which I have. And so I do different graphic design stuff and nice. you know, sometimes I get some help, but I do pretty, I come up with some pretty good ideas. I got a, That's good. an interesting mentality, probably not like you as a musician. <laughs> uh, I get requests every time I sing. Of course, I keep on singing anyhow, but that's all right. I do. <laughs> Music world, I love it, but it wasn't for me. Internet marketing. Now, you said something about creative. Creative agency. Use creative. Yeah, we creative, had creative agency. agency. Yes. And then we and then we pivoted. So I had a multi-million dollar creative agency in Anchorage, Alaska. Um, and at the end of two thousand, at the end of two thousand eighteen, I was basically owner of a job, and I really didn't like my job. <laughs> And um, so I decided to basically shut it all down and reinvent how I did business. And that's where Buzzworthy Integrated Marketing came in. And it's in a fully virtual. Um, my creative agency had a 13,000 square foot facility. We had 22 employees, a whole nine yards. And I was just like, there's a lot of noise around what I really want to do, which is help people predict, create predictable uh, outcomes with their marketing, right? And that's we, that's one of our our promises is that we create predictably profitable uh, marketing, right? And so, um, so I said, okay, well then let's get rid of all the overhead. And now this is in 2019 before it was really cool to have a virtual company. And so I went from 13,000 square feet to 1300 square feet, eventually down to 500 square feet down to no, no, no square footage. Right. Uh, I have offices in two different uh, cities with we like a WeWork style uh, organizations, but they're not WeWork. Um, and other than that, everybody works from home. Everybody. And uh, and it's really allowed us to expand who we can help. And that's and so we we focus on the inter, the integrated marketing strategies for service based businesses specifically. So what you know, define Internet mark or integrated marketing, like you had said before, a yeah. lot of people don't realize what that is. I think I got a pretty good idea. Uh, <laughs> give me that definition. I should make you try, and then, then we're good. Okay, right now. I, I'm, hey, I'm game. It's a combination of your here. It's a combination of your email or your print marketing, your internet marketing, uh, your brand and your logo. You know, we both have a common friend in Rich Kozak there. Uh, am I getting close? You're very close. It's uh, the the uh, formal description is a omni-channel marketing that is integrated with each other. So it, some people's integrated marketing campaigns will include everything. Other people's won't. Um, and so that when we go in and work with uh, companies, um, we identify first the strategies and then the I, the tactics. So that way you're not trying, you know, say direct mail is going to be something you're going to utilize. Well, if you're using direct mail, um, you may or may not need social media because that might not be part of the, the overall plan. If you're using search marketing. Wait a minute, Buzz. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Buzz. We probably got some people listening to this right now that are saying <laughs> – Direct mail? What's direct that? mail. I know what it is. It's junk mail. It's junk well, mail. It's, junk mail. <laughs> it's direct mail. If it's if it's done correctly, it's not junk mail. And that's the thing. The all of the mail that you get that you throw away without reading is junk mail. But when you stop and read something, and everybody does about two percent of the time, that's not junk mail anymore. Two percent. Two percent. We want two percent of the people to stop and take action. That's we're we're really happy with two percent. Two out of a hundred. You're happy out of with two percent. Look here. Here's an example. Here's why I say this is. I don't know how well you can see this on my camera here. I got this the other day. It's from a, I, and I hate these. I get them in multiple things. They're companies that they'll. It says processing center or some <laughs> other name that doesn't tell you who they are. Right. Uh, I got a check for two hundred ninety nine dollars. Right. Or it's a voucher. Once you read it, it looks like a check. It's a voucher. Yep. That's junk mail. And they're telling me that that I'm gonna my home warranty is in danger of expiring. I don't that's- have a home warranty. Anybody <laughs> Christmas, these people drive me crazy. Why no, are you that's better? That's junk mail. That's junk mail. Why are you better? So you know, it, we don't say we're better. We just we don't we, we it's. 
it's in the implementation, right? So those people are trying to trick you, right? So they're scammers as far as I'm concerned. That's not even email marketing. That's scam. That's spam, if you will, right? That's that's not, we, we don't like those people just as much as you don't like getting it. We don't like them sending it because it clutters your mailbox for offers that you actually could use. So just this last week, I had a local landscaper had sent a postcard to my house. I happen to need a landscaper for my house. So I, I reached out and I want to find out more about them, right? So they were able to give, get on into an inbox, right? A, a mailbox that I actually, that actually could use my services. Now, if they had said, well, there's maybe there was say, say there was an apartment building next to my house. And then they, they sent each of the apartments, the same mailer, that would be junk mail. Cause none of those people need landscaping service. They live in an apartment, right? So that's, <laughs> You know, when people talk about, there's a lot of tacticians in marketing. And the problem is, is that blind tactics don't usually work. You You need to start with sound strategy before you start plugging in tactics, because that strategy is what's actually going to be the guiding light of what you're going to do. Versus just okay. trying things. And then if you don't integrate it, you don't create an ecosystem that it's not scalable, right? Something might work, but it's not going to work for a long time because you haven't integrated it with everything else. And so anything that's trying to survive on its own is destined to wither away versus when you look at grass, right? If you, if you have a whole <laughs> lawn of grass, right? It's an ecosystem in there, right? If you take too many of the blades of grass away, the rest of the grass will die. It needs the other things to thrive. Okay. Like I told before we started here, Mike, I'm, a, I'm an old guy, right? <laughs> I had something that if you went to a lot of businesses today and asked them, do you have a bulk mail permit? They'd go, what? <laughs> right? I used to own a mail and parcel center. Like I used to own like a UPS store, but it was independent Yeah. out in California. And we used to do bulk mail marketing. And my whole strategy was for the little guys that didn't do enough to do their get their own permit and mail out regularly – Mm-hmm. You know, you could, you could come to me and do your thousand pieces and somebody else could come and do 500 pieces, and, mm-hmm. you know, and we'd sort of mix it all up and get it out there for them and then use my marketing as well, mm-hmm. to use it for my own promotion. Mm-hmm. So, but those things, I guess, are virtually gone now, right? Well, you can do every day, you can do every door delivery through the USPS. Um, you know, I don't right. want to. That was the- just starting 20 years ago. Yeah, that um, yeah, there's about 20 years ago is when that started. But you you still have bulk mailers and you do and we go through uh, bulk mail permits and stuff like that. We don't try to get our own. It's not worth it for most of the companies. Um, the thing is this. I don't want the listeners to think that's where like where we start. It's just it's something that people don't talk about very often. Right. Majority of what we do with small businesses is online because it's much cheaper than say something like direct mail. But there's times where an online presence paired or integrated with an offline presence like direct mail can create huge leverage and big returns. And that's why you start with strategy and work through the tactics, you know, through you go through the process of looking at tactics to say which ones of these meet the needs of the strategy and feed the strategy versus feeding, you know, throwing your money into blind tactics. And I think you you were talking about that you've tried uh, social media advertising. A lot of people do that without strategy. And uh, most of them will fail because they didn't start with their strategy. They're just trying it out. Well, let's try it. We'll see if we get anything. The days of just throwing money at Facebook are long, long gone. Okay. I didn't, I actually did have a strategy. Actually, my other business, it was pretty simple. Like I managed custom lineup cards for baseball and softball teams. Mm-hmm. And what I would do is about from about late December through January, I would do some advertising mm-hmm. on usually Facebook ads because that's right before the college and high school season. Mm-hmm. So that's where I'd get a lot of business. I most of my business for that side of the for that business, most of my business is in that period there. And then it'll string sort of string along up through May and a little bit in June where I get so the travel teams might order or mm-hmm. some high schools, some states, 
high school softball and baseball season is actually in the summer. Mm-hmm. So I may get some late high school bloomers. But here's what happened. Two different Northern times. States. Yes, you're right. Two different times, though. One, the first bad experience I had, and I, luckily I know I would I would put, okay, 20 bucks or 50 bucks into budget. You, you tell it, I want to pay this much a click, and I'm here's how much per day. Mm-hmm. So the first time, I was getting a lot of great response, okay? People were going to my custom lineup cards Facebook page, and they were liking the page and blah, blah, blah. But you know what? I wasn't getting any orders. So I went to the Facebook page because I had to link to my actual website, and I started going down to people that were liking my page. And there were a whole bunch of people, and they had nothing to do with baseball or softball. They were coaches. They were players. They were parents. Nothing. Somebody was paying somebody to click my ads. I'm sure that's – now, can I say Facebook was doing that? <laughs> Somehow I think they're behind it or somebody is along the way. So I cut that off real quick. Mm-hmm. But the worst one, because I, I have gotten some success by running these ads on Facebook. Again, there's a lot of – I've got a lot of softball coaches following baseball coaches, right? Mm-hmm. So a couple of years ago, right before – right when COVID started – one day I get a bill, actually it was in the middle of COVID, 2020. And I get a bill that my credit card was hit for $140 by Facebook. I thought, what the heck? And I went and looked and here they're charging me for ads. So I turned it off right away. They charged me another 16 bucks, I think. And I said, why are you charging me this? Well, you got this ad campaign. I says, no, I didn't turn it on. It was turned off. I have it sitting there, but it was turned off. She says, oh no, look here. You've got good till canceled. I went through and explained. I said, look, right now COVID is shut down baseball and softball. Mm-hmm. And I was coaching at a high school. Our season got short, cut short after five games. Mm-hmm. I said, nobody needs me right now, so I would be pretty stupid to advertise at a time when nobody needs me. And I mm-hmm. went and showed her. I said, okay, if, if what you're saying is true, it's good to cancel them. Why didn't you charge me for ads in December or November or October or February or <laughs> September? She went and looked. I got I had gotten to a management. And they looked at that. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, you got a point there. Mm-hmm. No, we're not going to give your money back. Okay. They don't get any money out of me until they give me that 160 bucks back. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> got to draw your line. Great thing is, is that there's great ways to market around any tactic. Right. Like people are just like, I don't want to do Facebook. Okay. Some people are like, I don't want to do Google ads. Some people are like, I'm not waiting around for SEO. Some people say, I'll never do direct mail. That's okay. There are other tactics out there that you can use to work around any tactic that you uh, refuse to, to engage in. That's great. That's a beautiful thing about marketing. There's a thousand ways to get where you want to go. Well, I'd like the Facebook ads because I had so many coaches. I've got hundreds of coaches, either friends mm-hmm. or following the custom line of cards page or my regular page. I won't get into the to politics right now. I think there's a certain thing with algorithms and Facebook uh, shadow banning me for various <laughs> reasons. Cause I've got uh, 1600 friends on Facebook. Right. Uh-huh. But when I put something out there, if I put something about my dogs, 30 or 40 people might comment or like on it or whatever. Mm-hmm. If I put something about politics or something, I get, two or three people of them out of 1600 people. Are you serious? So something's, you know, so that makes me skeptical too. So buzz, what do I got to do to have a, a can campaign for a specific business that I know might at least give me some results? Well, I mean, that's a, that's a very broad question. Um, I mean, really what you need, the, the biggest thing you have to start with is the who, Right. If you don't understand exactly who you're trying to advertise, your message is going to not is going to miss the mark nine times out of 10, if not more. And your money is going to be put uh, towards displaying uh, your ad in front of people who will never buy from you. They'll never be clients no matter what you say. Right. And so the who becomes the catalyst of the what. What are we going to say to the who? And that comes down to understanding your offer. What are you offering, right? And if you understand what you're, what you're actually offering, right? So you're at baseball cards. You were talking about that. You're not selling baseball cards, right? That's not what you were selling. You were selling the memory of somebody playing baseball, 
The legacy. Oh, 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 hold up. Not those kind of baseball cards. I do the lineup cards. Like if you're going to go at the beginning of the game when the coaches get together, right? they have to exchange lineup cards. Oh, printing. Okay, so the pads. Okay, that's yes. fine. That's it's okay. a printing thing, yeah. There yeah, you yeah. go. Yeah, yeah. So, so you were without those, without that form, things get really confusing. So you're not selling a form; you're selling convenience. You're selling order, right? You're selling efficiency. Okay. That's what you're selling. And a lot of people are so worried about the features that they're offering, they forget what they're actually providing. They're providing a solution, right? Everybody needs to. T- to take score. We need to understand how many strikes there were. We need to know who did what, when and where and how. And that's what those baseball scorecards do, right? Every ball, every strike, every out, every pop, all that stuff is recorded on the score sheets, which you can basically play back the game, right? Because baseball is a game of statistics, right? So the problem is, is that if you don't have the form, it's really hard to keep track of. Right. And so that's where when we talk going back to what your question was, is like creating an efficient, efficient and a profitable campaign has to do with understanding the who, the what, which we just covered. And then the where you said it earlier, like, hey, I've got uh, leagues that play at different times of the year because of where they are geographically. So it would make no right. sense to push ads in Florida when there's no baseball going on, you know, during the maybe during the uh, during the summer when it's too hot to be outside. But there's, there's, always, there's always might baseball, be a bad one. But there's, there's states yeah. where they don't have it all the time. California okay, too. Let's go with this way. There's I will tell you right now, there's no softball happening in July Wisconsin. or in, in January in Alaska. Okay, I lived there for 17 years. I know for a right. fact we do not have baseball in January. Okay, so you giving us do they, ads? Do they have baseball? Oh yeah, we have baseball. We have we have minor league feeder okay. team in baseball. We have a we have a, uh, a the Alaska league. Well, this is where like Mark McGuire, these old, old folks here uh, talk here. Mark McGuire, Jerry uh, Canseco, or um, Canseco, Jose Canseco, Jerry uh, Jerry McGuire, not Jerry McGuire, Mike McGuire. All those guys were there. <laughs> the, that that was a summer league for the AAA, it, and it's still really? there. Yeah, so they have like four wow. teams in Alaska, and they all come up there for about a couple months during the summer. We have the midnight, uh, the midnight uh, baseball uh, tournament and stuff like that. Yeah. Oh, and softball is huge, right? So cool. there's a huge audience up there for baseball and softball. Okay. So, but you're not going to send ads there in the middle of January. Nobody's thinking about baseball in January. Now, <laughs> if you start talking to them in March, April, yeah, they're, they're looking for it. Like I saw, I, I sponsor a softball team up there still because a bunch of my friends are there. I'm in uh, Springfield, Illinois now. I still sponsor the softball team because all my friends, you know, it's, it gives them a place to, 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 to gather during the, the summer, right? I get my call in March. Hey, do you want to sponsor? Heck yeah. If they called me in November, November, I'd be like, well, why don't we wait till March and see where I feel? <laughs> you know? So that's where you got the who, the what, and the where, right? And then everything else kind of falls into place when you have all three of those lined up. Okay. Now, that's, you know what? I'm going to take my specific experience and let's see how you can make it better. Okay. And I do sort of like, I trust Google ads more than Facebook, but... To me, I think, and I don't know if everybody feels this way or not. To me, there is a somewhat of a distrust of pay-per-click ads. What is your take on pay-per-click? It, there, there are way there. There's reasons why they don't trust it, and there are plugins that allow you to reduce that risk. Um, so you're talking about basically you were talking about where people are clicking or getting paid to click on ads and it's usually your competitors that are doing, it. it's not Facebook, it's not Google. They don't care, right? They, they're too big for that, but it could be your competitors sitting there going, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to hire some offshore talent to go over there and eat up your money by clicking on your ads and not doing anything with them. Right. Cause you got the paper click. I love paper click when it comes to immediate exposure for an offer that may a lot of times has a time frame in which it needs to be there. So SEO is a long game, right? And you, and we always look at SEO because it is such a good return on investment over time, but for immediate uh, response, 
we're looking at those ads because people are actively looking for what you have to offer. So if I was a coach for, for a baseball team and I needed supplies, I'm going to look for my coach, my coach supplies, baseball supplies, whatever those keywords are that they utilize to find the things they need to get their season started. They're going to Google first. They're not going to Facebook. That's why I like search because of the intent behind what they're doing on the platform. Great. Let's talk about budget, because obviously, anytime you talk about advertising, there's a lot of money and a lot of small businesses, especially like you mentioned, are afraid to invest a lot of money. Mm -hmm. But I remember a what I guess what would be called a meme, because this when I had my mail center out in California, I saw this in a, I don't know, it was a newsletter or magazine somewhere years ago before there was the Internet was really kicking off. There was no Facebook yet. And I saw a really cool cartoon mm-hmm. that talked about a guy that got up in the morning. He was had was slept in an advertised bed or on an advertised mattress. Mm-hmm. He was wearing advertised pajamas. He got out of bed and brushed his teeth with an advertised toothbrush. He took a shower and had an advertised soap and an advertised shampoo. He ate breakfast with an advertised cereal. He jumped in a car that had been advertised. He drove his, on his way to work, but he refused to advertise because he said advertising doesn't pay. I, I haven't seen that cartoon, but I've seen people talk about that cartoon. But yes, there's a lot of people who don't believe in it. He used all these advertising things, mm-hmm. but he refused to spend the money on advertising because mm-hmm. he said it doesn't pay, even though he was using the stuff. So what happens to people like that? They're like, oh, I've tried it. Right. Oh, I've tried Facebook ads and it and it sucked. Or I've tried SEO or I've tried Google ads. I've tried magazine ads. I've tried direct mail. Whatever the tactic is, they've tried it. Right. And they're like, I tried it once. It didn't work. There are too many variables to try something once. Nine times out of 10, if I really dig in it, they didn't try it for the amount of time it takes to actually get good results. Because nothing is like switch on and immediate results. And that's where if there was, then that's what everybody would do, right? There's no guarantees in marketing. There's no guarantees in advertising, okay? And so when somebody says, I don't believe in advertising, even though they are wearing name brand uh, clothes and eating name brand cereals and, and driving name brand cars, they they just dismiss it as, well, it works for them because they're big companies, right? And small businesses usually are very restricted on their budgets. And so they go into these tactics underfunded. And so when I talk to my clients and they're like, hey, how much does it cost to run a search engine marketing uh, Google ads campaign? I said, well, it depends. It depends on what you're, you're marketing. And then it depends on the competition for the keywords that you are trying to win, right? Because you have to place in the top to to really win in Google ads. And then they go, okay, well, then what's the minimum? When you go with just the minimum, (laughs) you're just like, okay, what's what's the least amount that I can lose if I'm just ready to lose, right? And I usually say, why don't we look at what it takes to win? And then if that's too much for you, don't do it. I've had people like, well, I only have $500 and then we'll work it up. And it's like, well, $500 might not be enough for the algorithm to chew on to give you the results you're looking for in the long run. So why don't we just hold on to that $500 for a few months until you can run that campaign that maybe needs $1,000 a month and we could run that for four to six months to see if it works, right? And that's where so many people fail at tactics that could work given that they had the right strategy, obviously. But putting that, putting those tactics to work, you still got to give it time because it's not, there are no guarantees. That means you have to optimize. There's a reason there's optimization of, of everything out there because there is no such thing as create, launch, get. That right, th- those are unicorns when that happens, okay? It's usually create, launch, optimize, optimize, get a little bit, optimize, get a little bit more, optimize, lose a little bit, optimize. And you're all around the, you're all around the graph as far as what your returns look like until you hit critical mass. And then all of a sudden, oh, that worked. And then that will work until it stops working. And people go, what's that supposed to mean? Everything, every good run comes to an end. 
Facebook is a great example. From 2011 to about 2018, you could open up a Facebook ads can, uh, ad uh, agency and just run ads because the platform did everything for you because Facebook was using third-party data to feed down to the nano uh, graphic of like who you wanted to talk to, right? So I'll give you an example. So like if you were selling weed whackers, Okay, but you wanted to sell weed whackers to middle-aged men who had a two-bedroom house and a quarter acre of land. I mean, you could get down into the nitty-nitty-gritty psychographics, geographics, demographics, all of that stuff. And because third-party data, which is not the data that you that you collected or Facebook collected, but what other people collected, they're bringing all that data together to say we can now triangulate those nitnoid niches and sell directly to them and have one message or a series of messages that you could uh, test for that micro niche, right? One of them is going to work and then you just ran with it until it did it and then you, you do it again. When iOS 14 came out, they took away the ability to use that third-party data. Now people had to be oh. marketers again. Okay. Wow. So let's make it an ad. old analogy I used to hear about advertising was the pump at the well, the water pump. Mm -hmm. You got to do it a whole bunch real hard once you get the water flowing, then you can back off with your budget a little bit, but initially it's going to cost you some money. Yeah, that's the priming the pump. And that's what we were talking about that first three to four months of like you're, you're getting out there and you're letting the algorithm. So you're basically when, when you're working a pump and you're priming a pump, you're creating pressure. You got to push the pressure down into the hole so it'll push the water up. Okay. And that's the same thing that happens in, in any ads that are online and even offline. But we'll just stick with the online because the analogy is really easy here. There's an algorithm that the, com the company is utilizing to figure out who they're going to show your ads to, especially if it's pay-per-click. Because remember, the, the, the company doesn't get paid unless somebody per clicks on your ad, right? So you have to give the algorithm enough money to test who what type of people and who and where and what are going to click the ads so they can make money, right? Well, that can take in Google's, in the Google world, two, two weeks. And so people are like, well, you know, if I got a thousand dollars, that means I got to spend $500 to teach the algorithm what I want. Yes. And then really? when that starts wow. happening, some of those leads are going to be crap. And people are going, well, I don't wow. want bad, bad leads. It's like, but in sales, how many yeses do you get? What's your close rate? Right. Well, you know, probably, you know, one out of three. Okay. Well then one out of, of, for two out of three of those leads that you had, wherever you were getting before were crappy leads done in a story. Right. I mean, there's time spent getting people to a sales call and there's a lot of no's that go into sales. So why is it all of a sudden that if you put an ad out there and you get a, a, a no, you pay for a no that you get upset. It's just part of the process guys. And nobody has a hundred percent close rate. Nobody. Not for a very long time. I've never looked at it that way. That's uh, that's very interesting. I never thought of it. I mean, I, I think I've had reasonable expectation on the ads over the years, but I've never looked at it from that standpoint. You know you're going to get it, looking at it from reverse-like. But now look at that one experience, the first experience I had. If I told Facebook or Google or anybody else, I want this ad to show up on the thing of people that are softball coaches or baseball coaches. Mm -hmm. That should be in their profile. Why shouldn't I be? Why? Where do these other people come from? Shouldn't I be able to trust that that's going to go to people that have something about softball or baseball in their profile? Not necessarily, because they could have interests in in baseball and softball, but maybe not. A, but, but they might not be a coach. They might watch it on TV, right? They could be just fans of the game. And so they might not talk about it on their profile, but in their interests where they're saying, hey, this is the type of uh, content I want on my feed. What are you interested in? I'm interested in rock and roll, softball, hockey, you know, interpretive dance, whatever that is, right? They got that list in there. And that's when you're putting your identifiers in the psychographics, um, which is basically your behavioral um, tendencies, and you're sitting there going, what interest do they have? Well, they have an interest in dot, 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 right? Now, if you said, hey, if they're if you're on LinkedIn and you said, hey, I want only coaches, uh, sports coaches, then the algorithm should only be showing people who are actively have a job that's a sports coach 
or a softball coach or a baseball coach. You can get that granular when the first party data is on the platform. I can see we're going to have to be talking this. <laughs> I'm going to be okay now. A couple of years ago, I attended a webinar or whatever, mm-hmm. and they said this. I'm going back maybe five or six years. It was in Cal. I was in California right before we moved here to North Carolina, and it said that Pinterest was the number one marketing platform for businesses. And the whole webinar was about how to create the pins. Don't just put one size in there, put certain sizes and everything else. But they were showing statistics that Pinterest at that time was the top results getter, I guess you would say, for businesses. What do we do? Who do we look at today? Where do we want to look today? Depends. So now I feel like that there is a broad spectrum of social media platforms out there, right? You got Discord, Chat, uh, Snapchat, TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, um, Wisdom. There's, I mean, there's so many out there. And so, really, what you want to do is find out. I, I, I tell my my clients, listen, where are you hanging out, right? And when you're hanging out there, do you see your clients hanging out there too? If not, that's probably not the right place, right? And so uh, the easy answer is this. And Pinterest is the search engine of all social media. Literally what you use Pinterest for is when you're looking for something, right? So if you have wow. recipes, you have how-tos, if you have idea uh, sheets or dream sheets and any of that kind of stuff that you can share on a regular basis, guess what? People are using that platform for that specifically. So that could be a good use for you. But if you're a plumber, Pinterest is probably not going to be where you're hanging out, right? Not for business, not going to be there, right? Now, if you're a B2B company, LinkedIn is going to be a goldmine for you because everybody there is talking about them their own, uh, their, in their business, if either they owning one or working for one, period, end of story. Now, is there a lot of noise on all of the, the platforms? A hundred percent. And that's where a lot of people, well, Pinterest is a bunch of people selling stuff. Yeah, that's business to business. That's what we do, right? Well, if you go to Facebook, <laughs> everybody's talking about, uh, you know, uh, politics and blah, 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 blah. It's like, well, that's kind of where they gossip. It's a gossip, for, you know, Instagram. Well, everybody's curated and the pictures are too perfect. Blah, blah, blah. It's like kind of what the, the it is for. So if you have a visual service or a visual product, I'm going to go to in, Instagram, uh, Instagram, right? Right. Uh, if I have a story to tell, I'm going to utilize whatever I'm at, whatever platform I'm on, I'm going to use video to tell my story, right? So it's not even as much as which one's the best. It's it's which one's the best for your clients, your, for your prospects. Where do they hang out? Why do they hang out there? And then you have to turn around and say, how do I tell my story that connects with them in their space? Because a lot of them are not looking to buy. People don't want to buy. They want to buy things, but they hate being sold, right? So right. social Amen. media is Amen. a social network. Right. And so if you're not being social on social media, uh, social selling is going to be really hard for you. Regardless. Interesting. Of uh, another guy I've been working with is in my marketing. Some of my stuff says I got it. I was starting to pull away from YouTube because I actually had one of my videos pulled off of YouTube last mm-hmm. year. What was dumb about it? They pulled me off because I was spreading election misinformation the problem was they pulled the video off in october of 2022 but it was a video i did in june of 2021 yep it took up a year to figure out to pull out so anyway or it was before the topic became taboo it took a year for the topic to be taboo i've seen uh clients uh posts from 10 years ago all of a sudden get pulled off really Oh, yeah. Wow. Because all of a sudden you can't talk about X, Y, Z because of the PC police and dot, dot, dot. Okay. So here's the question. I may, I still have my platform on YouTube Mm -hmm. and I know, I know they're the big, the big brother out there. They're the, Mm -hmm. they're the main game, right? When it comes to video. Largest search engine in the world. There you go. But also all my videos, when I do my live stream, Mm -hmm. stuff like that goes to rumble. Does mm-hmm. Rumble have a chance of getting into that? Is that a place you can get into that to that arena? 
advertise. Rumble is another platform where people uh, gather to consume video. A hundred percent. There's absolutely no reason why um, their Vimeo is out there is another platform that you could utilize. TikTok is another uh, place you could house those videos. Instagram Reels is another place. It don't matter. I mean, like, and this is the thing, like a lot of people will sit there as a business owner, you have to be agnostic when it comes to social media. If you're going to utilize social media, you need to utilize the social media and your marketing that your clients or your prospects are going to be utilizing. Not what you care about. It's about what they care about. Period. So if you like, well, I only hang out on, uh, say, TikTok, uh, Twitter. I only do Twitter. Twitter's the only the only place I like. You know, Elon Musk is, is making sure my voice gets heard. Blah 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 blah. But <laughs> none of your prospects do Twitter because Twitter is more of an information share than it is a product share. Oops, you're in the wrong Oops. place. You're talking to the wrong people. You're just talking to yourself technically because nobody's tuning in. Throwing the cross up at there, Buzz, is, uh, is TikTok. Oh, I know. I will not go on TikTok. I absolutely, matter of fact, and I've already posted on Facebook and Twitter. I'll hashtag Fox and Friends. I love watching Fox and Friends in the morning. Mm-hmm. They got a great show. Well, I'll tell them, why do you keep putting up somebody's TikTok video to show what they did when we're out there telling everybody you shouldn't be using TikTok? for the nefarious reasons that they're tied into. But yet, here they are. And I'll tell you a story. A couple of years ago, I was working at a warehouse, picking up a part-time job during COVID, right? Mm-hmm. And I was I was one of the kids in there, one of, the, one of the young guy was in there, and he put a video of himself cooking some chicken or doing something on TikTok. Uh-huh. And he showed me, he says, oh, Mike, I got, got 2,000 views in the first two days or something. I said, great, they send you a check yet. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I said, I think you got to have a, mil- a million views before you get, a, you know, get any money. Right. It's okay. So a couple weeks later, he says, Mike, Coach Mike, he says, I got a million views on my on my TikTok video. I says, have they sent you a check? <laughs> he said, no, they haven't. I haven't talked to him lately. I'd love to see where he's at now, though. <laughs> yeah, he might be getting the minimal check. It it so there are a lot of people think about you know they look at that. I mean that's a younger generation thing uh, as far as like looking at these platforms as being influencers and making money doing it right, going viral, and that's great and everything. But as a business owner, we're not really w- so much worried about going viral as we are getting engagement from people who could buy from us. Right? It doesn't matter if you have a, a million followers. If none of those people are ever going to buy from you, it doesn't really matter. And flip side, if you have a million followers and you never sell to them because you're worried that you're going to drive a couple of them away, then you're never going to make money either. So both getting the right people to follow you and then making sure that you're creating the call to attentions on a good interval is the two sides of that coin of making social media make money. Wow. As I could tell that you and I are going to have to do another episode or two along the way here because I think this is something we could hash out uh, over and over again. Why don't you tell the audience where can they find you? Where's your website? You told me you got a book out. I want that book. That book you can get at ruleof26.com. It's called The Rule of 26, Three Steps to Doubling Your Website Revenue for Service-Based Businesses. Uh, my integrated marketing firm is called Buzzworthy Integrated Marketing. You can find us at buzzworthy.biz. And I'm on all the things except for TikTok. Uh, <laughs> myself. Uh, not because I I am uh, a, a naysayer of TikTok. It's just it's not where my target market uh, lies because I work with service-based businesses and predominantly professional services. And it's not usually where their clients are hanging out. So, uh, but yeah, you can check me out. You are buzzworthy. Uh, and then we have our podcast, youarebuzzworthy.biz. Now, Buzz, real quick, you know, if I like customlineupcards.com, uh-huh. I'm not so much, I, I mean, I offer, I have great customer service, right? but I'm selling a tangible product. Will your theories still apply to that as 100%. far as doubling my insight web, website revenue? 
Yeah, actually it will. The reason that I focused on that, I actually have uh, co-authors that are going to be focusing on different industries. Um, but yes, if you do not have a service-based business, you can read the Rule 26 and still get the benefits because the math works regardless. The tactics that we're using are predominantly used in service-based. But the thing is this, when you're selling a product, if you look at if you go past the features like we were talking about earlier and we look at the problem you're solving, you are selling a service. So if you can take a look at your product as a service, you can definitely leverage the Rule 26 a lot faster. That's excellent. That's excellent. Thank you, Buzz. You know, no it's been a pleasure having you. I hear the weed whacker going again. <laughs> so we're going to kill this one for today. But I think you've whacked a few, more than a few weeds. I tell you what, I uh, it. it's been a pleasure having you here. I have a feeling... I hate to say this, I have a feeling I'm going to be sending you some money along the way. <laughs> so, Buzz, thank you very much. Thank and, you. Uh, and we'll be talking later. All Ooh. right, sounds good. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the Weed Whacker Podcast. If you would like to join Coach Mike to discuss an issue important to your life, send us an email to coachmike at coachmikenow.com. Tell us about your issue and how it is affecting your life. Give us your first and last name, phone number, and email address, and we will contact you regarding scheduling. Coach Mike will use only your first name unless you request your full name in the podcast. Also, please visit CoachMikeNow.com to sign up for Coach Mike's weekly newsletter. You can also visit Coach Mike's Clubhouse on Locals.com. There you can choose to follow Coach Mike or if you want access to more content, become a member of Coach Mike's Clubhouse to get certain members-only content. Thanks again for listening. God bless you as you whack those weeds out of your life and move forward to success. Thank you for listening to the Weed Whacker podcast. If you would like to join Coach Mike to discuss an issue important to your life, send us an email to coachmike at coachmikenow.com. Tell us about your issue and how it is affecting your life. Give us your first and last name, phone number, and email address, and we will contact you regarding scheduling. Coach Mike will use only your first name unless you request your full name in the podcast. Also, please visit CoachMikeNow.com to sign up for Coach Mike's weekly newsletter. You can also visit Coach Mike's Clubhouse on Locals.com. There you can choose to follow Coach Mike, or if you want access to more content, become a member of Coach Mike's Clubhouse to get certain members-only content. Thanks again for listening. God bless you as you whack those weeds out of your life and move forward to success.